Welcome to Podcast Awesome. In this series of nerd show and tell episodes, we chat with members of the Fawn Awesome team, take a deep dive into some of their recent work, and share the nerdy interests that enrich their lives. Fawn Awesome, go make something awesome. Fawn Awesome, go make something awesome. I'm your host, Matt Johnson, and today we're talking with senior developer Ed Emanuel. In this nerd show and tell, Ed tells us about work related to the Icon Wizard project and shares his love for 3D printers and D&D. Well, hey, Ed, thanks for hanging out at the nerd show and tell. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I'm curious about your role as Von Awesome and the path for how you got here. I started programming when I was very young, uh, like 12, 13 years old. I just really loved computers and started reading some programming manuals because we had a an old TSR-80, which didn't really have much of anything on it. Back in the days when the storage was a cassette tape? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nice. So I ended up going to Missouri Southern and getting a degree in computer science. After I graduated, I got a programming job and just I've spent the last 25 years or so programming. I love it. You know, it's it's pretty crazy to think about the amount of time um, I've had in my career and how I'm really still not bored of it. I, I love love doing it every day. So, And you have a background with Dave and Travis, the founders of Fawn Awesome, right? Travis and I work together at a company called uh, Liggett & Platt. We worked there together for about five years. Um, got to know each other, became good friends. And then uh, after we both left there, we had some other jobs, did some other things. Uh, eventually, Travis started and Dave started Fun Awesome. And then I was coming to the end of a, a job that I had had for like seven years. And uh, mm-hmm. things were kind of getting a little rocky there. Travis invited me to come to Fawn Awesome. Yeah, it seems like a common theme with folks that come to Fawn Awesome. They kind of get chewed up a little bit out in the professional world where they're like, I, I don't think I want to do this. Um, and then when folks wind up at Fawn Awesome, it seems like a common thing. Like, okay, I don't ever want to go back to that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there there is a lot of programming jobs out there that are not, not great, not great environments because of, oh, well could be how the companies ran or could be just a whole lot of factors. But now that I think of it, you did some work with Mike Wilkerson when we were at our snuggle. It seemed like there was a lot of excitement there kind of watching you guys work together. Can you tell us a little bit about that? During the snuggle, a lot of times we um, try to come up with some small projects to work on. We like those to be kind of fun things. Um, the snack activities. But also, yeah, we call them snack activities. It being fun is great. Also, it being useful is, you know, that's a great bonus too. Um, and Mike and I have been talking for a while about, he, he lo- he's doing a lot of stuff with um, actually processing the, the graphics icons and stuff, all the SVGs. And we got to talking about how we could take existing icons and kind of layer on some modifiers. We already have some of these icons available on the site, but our designers actually had to had to build them. Um, so 
like a user with a circle and a plus in the corner or mm-hmm. um, other symbols down in the corner. Uh, or and then check, also things, a check, a mark, check mark or a minus a slash mark. Yeah. Or a slash to the icon, those kind of things. Yeah. Um, and so we had, we started experimenting around with things and um, over the course of the week managed to get up a working prototype where you could select an icon and then you'd have a list of these modifiers and you could just click on one of the modifiers and it would take that icon and that modifier and combine them together into a single SVG that then we could let you um, add to your kit on Fawn Awesome and then be able to use that on your own website. And that sort of bumps up the number of icons. It's on, I mean ludicrous how many more icons possibilities that is have you guys done the math on that we did calculations a couple of times i don't remember it's 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 a whole lot of icons i think um right now we have like about 12 modifiers and i, I can't remember the number of icons we have but whatever that number is you get to multiply it basically by 12 yeah at this point in time i think we've got another bunch of modifiers we're going to add to so the the final number might be you know, 20 or 30 different modifiers, which is going to make us have even more and more icons. Yeah. So currently it's about 19,000 icons that we have in Font Awesome Pro times 12 plus. I mean, that's yep. that's a lot of icons. <laughs> yep. That's really cool. So were there any challenges that you guys had when you were building that? Any hurdles that you had to get over? Yeah. So there's a lot. So, uh, you know, Mike doing all like actual image processing, um, taking, you know, two, basically two SVG paths and kind of trying to combine them together and create rules and stuff around those so that you you get the output you're looking for. Uh, Mm -hmm. Beyond that, uh, there's also like the user interface for this. Uh, What should this look like? How, How do we make it easy for a user to use and understand what, what they're getting. So we spent a week in during the snuggle working on the features and getting kind of the prototype together and, and the basics and stuff. And then during our cooldown, um, I actually started like polishing all of that work and getting the UI built and stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, one of the other members of our team, Francis has uh, spent a lot of time kind of helping dress that up and, and build the UI out and all that stuff and it's it looks it looks great and i think um our users are going to love it it's going to be a a really cool feature that um i think is going to help a lot of people yep yeah i'm looking forward to to seeing that that launch and uh adding some other categories we talked about uh jokingly talked about adding a heavy metal category (laughs) where yes yeah, where I scoured through all of the icons and thought, which ones are most heavy metal? Um, so that'll be fun to also include that and that chunk of work. Um, and I've, uh, if I've got it my way, I've got some plans for some some pretty pretty great work related to that. We'll see how it goes. So is there anything is there anything in the world of tech these days that's piquing your interest maybe outside of uh, development or or even within development like something you kind of keep an eye on the news headlines I uh, spend a lot of time um, messing with my 3D printer I have both a an FDM printer and a resin printer 
pretty much constantly keeping stuff printing. Um, I have I'm mostly print D and D minis and terrain and stuff like that, um, mm-hmm. which is is super fun. I don't know anything about three D printing, so where do you get like the? Um, I mean, how does that work for somebody who doesn't understand that? Like, you get some kind of schematic for like a figure, and then the the printer creates it. How does that even work? There's several websites out there that where you can get the the models for it on. The, probably the biggest one where you can get stuff for free is Thingiverse. And you, there's also a lot of content creators that on Patreon and other sites like that where uh, they release new models every month and you pay them, you know, five, 10, 15 bucks, whatever. And you get all mm-hmm. of the models for that month. And then you just take those models and you run them through a piece of software. Um, typically, like one of the most common ones is Cura. Um, it's just a piece of software. You drop the models in there. And then you do some settings and click a few buttons and then it gives you an output that you copy onto a thumb drive and you plug it into your printer and you go hit print and then you wait a few hours or sometimes a couple of days, depending on how big it is. And uh, you have your model. It's amazing. Amazing. The world of technology we're living in. And they, they said, you know, that we'd have flying cars by now, but, you know, at least we can... Uh, we can print physical objects. So that's pretty cool. That is very cool. <laughs> I love it. I remember the days of playing D&D as a, a youngster and they, it used to be those, um, what was the material, the metal material? It's probably pewter. Yeah. Pewter. Yeah. Those really heavy, uh, miniatures and, um, just spending hours painting those things with a magnifying glass and trying to get the details just right. Do you like painting them too? Or, Oh yeah. I, I paint stuff all the time. Um, I have a huge backlog of things that need painted, but, uh, yeah. yeah, painting is, um, is, is a great stress reliever. It's very relaxing. Yeah. I can just, yeah. you know, turn on an audiobook and sit down there and paint for an hour or two and just, you know, kind of shut out the world and, and focus on this little project that's just, it's just relaxing. So. So on to the deep, important questions. Is there an icon or an icon theme or category that you think is missing from the Fun Awesome canon? I don't think we have one that's specifically just RPG. I know we have a gaming category. Mm, Yeah. But we don't have anything that's like a little more narrowly focused just around, you know, pen and paper RPGs. Mm-hmm. If you had it your way, what kind of icons that fit into that ca- category would make it in? Oh, well, I mean, we definitely have, I think we have a 20-sided dice that belongs in there. We yep. have um, some swords, axe, the wizard's hat. Um, yep. We have a bunch the of mace, icons. The, the cloak. Uh, the skull, stuff like that. I think there's there's probably a few, definitely a few icons we could add along those lines um some more D themed things oh we have dragon icon already but yeah i think there's some other monsters that would be cool to add <clears throat> you know some kind of slime or gelatinous cube <laughs> or you yeah. know a beholder but i suppose we couldn't call it a beholder we could add a bag of holding in there i i, I wonder <laughs> how you would visually represent that <laughs> maybe a bag icon with an infinity symbol in the corner yeah there you go exactly oh there's another modifier <laughs> yeah Yep, there you go. 
the Infinity Modifier. Do you have any favorite Fawn Awesome icons? I am very particular to the Retro Rocket, the Pixelated Rocket one, because of Space Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, I, I really like a lot of the space icons as well that are in that category for space. Yeah, you spent a lot of time with those icons. Yeah, I did. Which segues into, you know, some of the stuff that you're kind of doing out outside of uh, regular work rhythms. Um, so a couple months ago, you launched Space Awesome for maybe folks that haven't heard about that. Um, what was that project about? So I built a uh, browser-based game using mostly Fawn Awesome icons for the graphics. And it was a fun project. I used it to learn Vue.js and... It's out there on the web if you want to play it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, how did the launch go? It went well. We had lots of lots of traffic the first couple of weeks. Not as much since then, but when I designed the game, I wanted to I wanted to to kind of respect people's time. It does not require a huge investment in your time. Mm-hmm. Um, you can sit down and play it for five ten minutes. Um, and while there are a lot of secrets to discover and things that you probably won't encounter your first time through. There's no timers. There's no anything that um, requires that you come back and play it every day. Mm-hmm. And this goes back a while for you as far as your your interest in text-based games. If I'm remembering right, we've talked about how maybe that was sort of the pathway into you, you becoming interested in tech in the first place, right? Yes, yeah. Um, my, my brother-in-law originally... I would have probably been, yeah, 13, 14 at the time when this was back when I was first learning the program. Mm-hmm. My brother in law had made a little text based game um, on the TSR 80. And when I saw that, I just fell in love with the idea of programming and, and computers. And that kind of like kicked everything off. Yeah. And you are you always had sort of in your head like, oh, I would love to to create a text-based game. Did you give a shot at building anything prior to Space Awesome? Yes, I have built a number of prototype games um, and just, for whatever reason, never completed them. I There's nothing else out there on the web that of anything that I've built. So Space Awesome is the only thing that I've actually released. And the great thing is that you were able to do that on on company time. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, during yeah. during our cooldown, we've got and we've talked about our our cooldown, but we will we'll have our six week splits and then we have two weeks where we maybe get back to fixing um things and cleaning up projects or sometimes it's self-development stuff. You know, if it can be translated to work related stuff and learning, um, we have a lot of freedom during that cooldown, which is pretty great. So and that's kind of where that whole project started right like you and travis have been talking and you knew you needed to learn view and he's like well, why don't you build a game and that'll give you a chance to learn it yeah absolutely um he kind of uh fueled that idea um and i spent oh most of the most of my cooldowns over the course of a year or so increasing my knowledge about Vue.js, but also building space awesome mm-hmm. it, it was a great experience um for me Fawn Awesome got something cool out of it. What's the weirdest or crappiest job you've ever had? 
I worked at Blockbuster Video Warehouse for a couple of weeks. <laughs> um, that was grueling work. Yeah. I'm just being on your feet for eight to 10 hours a day. And while this was while I was going to school. <clears throat> so I was going mm-hmm. to school four hours a day and then working eight to 10 hours a day. And it was, you're just pulling orders off the shelf and did not enjoy it and didn't last very long. What's the Blockbuster warehouse? Is that like a distribution center where they have all of their DVDs and, and VHS tapes or something? VHS tapes, DVDs, and all their office supplies, you know, paper, anything like that. It was just going and grabbing stuff off of shelves, putting it in a box, repeating the process. On those hard concrete floors, probably lots of back aches. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, I man. enjoy it. The good old... The good old days of of blockbuster video, how the world has changed. It's funny thinking about those Friday nights when you go out with your friends and you have to choose a video and you're everybody's like standing in the aisles, like looking for something decent and, and then coming to some sort of consensus. Now we just sit on the couch and and go through all of our streaming apps trying to <laughs> new set of problems. <laughs> yeah, r- real first world problems there. What kinds of things are you nerding out about outside of work? Well, I run a weekly D&D game. Nice. Um, We're going through Tomb of Annihilation right now, uh, which I probably spend way too much time reading stuff about D&D and preparing stuff for the game and all that. Uh, But it's super fun. Um, I also, that's kind of gotten me into wanting to do some writing. Um, Mm -hmm specifically kind of in that space you know adding whether that be adventures or other supplements stuff like that i've come up with a few ideas for supplements uh you know just like extra things for to help people run games oh okay gotcha like a a book of traps or um Mm -hmm. designing new monsters that kind of stuff uh i have a lot of ideas started this is kind of a common theme in my life (laughs) I, i have lots of starts um, yeah, and I don't have anything like refined enough to release, but you know, that I think that would be really cool to throw something up on the DMs guild and see how people receive it. When did you start to take an interest in D and D? Well, I, I think I can thank my brother-in-law for that one as well. When he started dating my sister, my older sister, they, they played D and D and, uh, kind of introduced me and my other siblings to it. So I played Advanced Dungeons and Dragons back in the late 80s a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then we didn't have any of the books. So we kind of homebrewed our own game for a while. Just like everyone else, we kind of stepped away from it for a while. Um and mm-hmm. then um let's see, I bet it's been five or six years ago, um actually uh, I talked Travis into playing and I ran a game uh, for him and a couple other friends and my daughter. That's been going on for quite some time now. I seem to remember back in the day that, you know, D&D and role playing games were like a pretty dorky pastime, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like kind of yeah. nerdy kids that are like into comic books and video games and things like that. Um and I, I I remember by by the time I was a teenager, it was sort of like not cool to play D and D. But I love 
the fact now that it doesn't seem like there's that stigma there anymore, which is pretty great. Yeah, it is super popular. Um, there's yeah. a number of reasons for that. Stranger Things, Matt Mercer. Right. You know, it is it is very, very much mainstream now. And I love it. I, I think it's great. Yeah. Um, I think it is something that I'm, I'm glad more people are getting to experience because it, it is a, a very creative, imaginative outlet, I, I think, can help a lot of people, mm-hmm. um, help them be more creative, help them relieve their stress. And, and yeah, I, I think it's great. I mean, obviously, it's a community building thing. Like you're you're having fun with your friends. You're actually creating something together in real time. Um, and just a simple fact of like role playing a different type of person or personality is really kind of interesting, you know? Yeah, the last uh, last game I played at the Snuggle, <laughs> Mike Wilkerson's character was uh, was like this kind of self-involved bard type character who was very flamboyant and would come into the room, you know, uh, always looking for a date or like trying to win somebody <laughs> over. And he was just he was just like really into it. And we, we all would, <laughs> we'd all laugh every time we would come across a new adventure, meet, you know, new characters along the way. And he'd be the first one through the door, you know, saying, hello, I've arrived, you know? And, uh, <laughs> it was so funny, you know, my, my character was sort of the stoic elf and saying like, okay, okay. Yeah, we get it. Like, please don't don't ruin the um the objective of of what we're trying to do here by trying to be mr popular (laughs) was was just really fun that was a super great game you guys all did great job i i really enjoyed it that's so when you're running a game you know like i people ask me this sometimes like you know is is running the game fun and i'm like it is uh but it's it's kind of it's kind of different because it's fun when you guys are having fun, when the players are having fun. Right. And, you know, it's like I'm just kind of facilitating all of that, trying to create these scenarios and things so that you guys can, like, explore your characters and have a good time and, you know, all those kind of things. It doesn't have to be uh, combative. Like, I know there's, like, back definitely in the 80s, there was a little bit more of the combative DM no, this is a right. this is a shared story, a shared experience where um, I'm providing challenges, but you, um, I, I'm I'm not the enemy. I'm I'm the arbitrator, just kind of like the puppet master pulling the strings. But you know, I want you guys to succeed as much as you do. It was fun talking about the how you you had mentioned in the '80s, sort of that combative DM kind of thing, and it reminded me of, of a time when and I was in grade school back when this happened. But I remember um, I had a character I was really really proud of, and you know I would go and uh, do these campaigns with kids across the street. You know, we put a card table in the front yard, and um, a couple of the kids that were running the games are a little bit older, and it was exactly that kind of thing where like a DM would pick on one of the players and trying to distort, destroy their character, you know? And I remember being so upset about it. And, and my dad, you know, my dad saying, you need to take a break. You're taking this too seriously. <laughs> but then to have you comment on that and go like, Oh, I, I guess that was actually a thing. 
um, back then. It's really fun to rediscover Dungeons and Dragons again in a um, in a more positive light, I guess. Yeah, the '80s were a crazy time, especially for Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening into Podcast Awesome. A special thank you to Ed Emanuel for coming on the show. If you like what you've heard, please give us a rating and review and share this episode with your nerd friends. This episode was produced and edited by yours truly, Matt Johnson. The Fawn Awesome theme song was composed by Ronnie Martin and audio mastering was done by Chris Enns at Lemon Productions.